0: Before I get started this morning, I must show you my derby socks. (laughs) Now, notice I didn't say my lucky derby socks, but nevertheless, uh, I felt compelled to wear them. How do you really feel about Mother's Day? The question is an interesting one because for a long time, churches sort of assumed it was a great day of celebration, and certainly it is for mothers and grandmothers, and, but there's so many nuances to today, as, as Chad has already alluded to in our prayer or the poem earlier. You know, the annual focus on motherhood is a celebration for many. But those of you who are mothers and enjoy the role of mother or grandmother, and yet it's a difficult reminder for others, those who've wanted to be mothers and couldn't, those who've lost children to miscarriage or, even worse, to death. And those whose mothers were more burdened than blessing. Certainly, mothers, motherhood is no guarantee of greatness or goodness. In fact, there's no guarantee that, that mothers or parents together are going to be that great. Uh, there's a, a saying by Jen Hatmaker, said, ironically, we practically have to be sainted to get through the adoption process, but any fool can spawn and have a baby. (laughs) So we don't have a lot of training. We don't have a lot of experience. But mothers have always been the focus of of stories and storytelling by ourselves, and we tell stories about our mothers, our grandmothers, and some are great stories and some are painful stories. But throughout uh, television history, television has sort of focused on motherhood, and occasionally there are some very funny statements or interesting statements by characters who are mothers on TV shows that we're going to take a look at, and I think many mothers have found these humorous. This is from Tammy Taylor, character on Friday Night Lights. The big deal is that it's part of my job to make sure you don't grow up stupid. It's bad for the world. And then from Lady Grantham on Downton Abbey, I don't dislike him, I just don't like him, which is quite different. And then from Roseanne, the only thing I've ever wanted for my kids is that they're happy and that they're out of the house. And I tell you what, happy ain't even that important. <laughs> and then we have Claire on Modern Family. You have no, talking to her kids, you have no idea how hard it is to be a parent. To figure out what's going on with your kid when all you get is a grunt or a fine or a flick of the hair. It's my job to protect you and make sure you're making good choices. And if I step over the line every now and again when I'm doing it, tough. Knowing you're safe is the only thing that lets me sleep at night. And then Cam says, I thought it was the wine. (laughs) Well, today we're going to focus on women and the powerful role they play in our lives and have played in our lives. Hopefully you've had an influential woman in your life, whether it was your mother or grandmother, an aunt, a friend, a teacher, or a mentor. One of the women who had significant impact on my life was my maternal grandmother, Mama. And we would go to her house many weeks during the summertime and just enjoy being there because everything was easy. And she catered to every need. Now, the, f- the five grandchildren were Mary, Gary, Larry, Terry, and Linda. But Linda was first, so she has an excuse. But we would go there, but my brother and I would often even ride the Greyhound bus from North Texas to McAllister, Oklahoma, to visit. And when we arrived, I knew that in the refrigerator would be about three to four pounds of ground beef. Because Mama was willing to cook hamburgers for me three meals a day while I was there. That's what I call unconditional love. But unconditional love is there, and by the way, her name was Grace. Her name was Grace, and that's what she shared with everyone. To each of you here today, I hope that you're grateful for someone in your life who's, who's had that kind of uh, impact on you. Reverend Deborah Jackson, who's pastor of her church, but also dean of the business school at Worcester Polytechnic Institute, shared this story about one of her Mother's Day experiences. I understand that Mother's Day observance can create some ambivalence. My mixed feelings started years ago after what should have been a thoughtful gesture by my church. On that Mother's Day Sunday, roses were distributed to mothers after the morning worship. The ushers were stationed at the aisles to extend flowers, ensuring that no one was forgotten. But when an usher extended a rose to me, another quickly interceded, saying, Not her, she's not a mother. Well, I was embarrassed, of course, but it also hurt. While it was true that I was childless, I also believed that I was unable to have children due to a condition doctors had diagnosed. Well, we've had influential people, and we've had women, as we talked earlier, who haven't been able to bear children or there's just other experiences that the church has not always been great at trying to pull all this together on a day like today. It is a challenge, but I want us to continue to think broadly about women and the opportunity for their influence in our lives. I hope those of you who are women will perhaps recognize yourselves a little bit in these characteristics or qualities we're going to look at today, and it also both encourages you and challenges you. Today, we're going to look at the qualities that empower women to make a positive difference in the lives of others. First, we're going to look at, at women who know certain things. Women who know truth, that which is in accordance with fact or reality, is an important quality that they have in influencing us. We can even look at, uh, at uh, John chapter 8. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, we looked at this passage a couple of months ago, and we understand that it's a conditional sentence, that if you do this, then this will happen. So if you continue my word, if you do all of this, then you are truly my disciples. Then you will know truth, and the truth will set you free. But I know that, that women in particular, and mothers in particular, can be superpower with truth. One person said, I ran across a quote, that said, when your mother asks you a question, it's best to tell the truth because chances are she already knows the answer. So women sort of have a superpower when it comes to truth. You know, in recent years, we've experienced the Me Too movement and that, that compelling force that kind of swept the country and across the world where finally women were able to tell the truth about some things that they had experienced. We became sensitive to language in the workplace, and that truth became more important than just cleverness, that we needed to be honest and straightforward. Truth in friendship is important, and truth in parenting, of course, is important. And although it's sometimes unfortunately elusive, truth in marriages and any kind of relationship with a significant other is incredibly important, because we find that women who know truth protect the soul. There's a protection that happens there because truth helps alleviate deception. Women who know truth uh, protect the soul from that kind of deception, those kinds of things where someone causes you to believe something that isn't true. That happens in love relationships, it happens in life in general, it happens in business where people are deceptive and trying to to, uh, convince you that something is true that is not. Women who know truth protect the soul from deception. They also protect the soul from manipulation. Manipulation is that unfair or clever control or influence. Perhaps you've known someone who was very gifted at manipulating circumstances and conversations. Lainey and I were, were at dinner several years ago with some friends and one of the couples we didn't know particularly well at that time. And we're sitting around having a conversation. I have no recollection of what the subject matter was. But at one point, one of the women in the conversation said, everyone has a hidden motive. Everyone is trying to manipulate others. Everyone. And we were kind of taken aback by that. And on the way home, we, re- we you know, kind of said to ourselves, that really said more about her than it did anybody else. That jaded view of people, that jaded view of others. Deception and manipulation can be devastating. But women who know truth protect the soul. Women who know compassion have great gifts in our relationships. That compassion is that sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. That, That compassion that makes a person feel needed, makes a person feel important, makes the person feel valued. Mother Teresa said this, one of the greatest diseases is to be nobody to anybody. Women who know compassion nurture the soul. That's what compassion does. There's an acknowledgement of the heartache. There's an acknowledgement of the struggle That you're undergoing. And women who know compassion nurture the soul with that acknowledgement, nurture the soul by acting and supporting that person. Author and speaker Brene Brown said this about compassion, compassion is not a virtue, it is a commitment. It's not something we have or don't have, it's something we choose to practice. Women who know compassion are critical in our relationships and growing up and even maturing into adulthood, those friends and those women in our lives who have made us feel acknowledged and have understood our struggles. Women who know grace are gifted in relationships as well. That grace is that unconditional love and acceptance from God and we channel that grace to other people. In First, uh, first Peter we're told this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, this is the one passage in Scripture, and and to be candid with you, uh, part of this uh, Scripture jumped out at me this week, uh, unlike it ever had before, in that part where it says, God's grace in its various forms. Grace as I express it and grace as I, as I allow God to work through me with grace may look different than how it looks with you in relationships. But nevertheless, there's that, that grace that's there. There's that grace that helps women comfort the soul, nurtured the soul, they protected, and comforting is so important. You know, there's that offer, offer that understanding of brokenness and, and, and the understanding of failure and comfort and demonstra- by demonstrating ex- acceptance of us, that unconditional love, truly unconditional love. One of the children's books that, was, that I've enjoyed most when my children were young was The Velveteen Rabbit. How many of you know it? Well, there's a particular passage in that that probably you're familiar with, those of you who've read it. The Velveteen Rabbit is asking the skin horse in the playroom about becoming real. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up or bit by bit? And the skin horse says it doesn't happen all at once. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off. And your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all. Because once you are real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. Hmm. That's what grace looks like. That's what grace looks like with that understanding and that acceptance, so the person can be real. Let's summarize. Back one, here we go. Women who know truth protect the soul. Women who know compassion nurture the soul. And women who know grace comfort the soul. Next, we're going to look at women who are certain things. Women who are valued have a great impact because of the value we place on them. Being valued means to be considered to be important or beneficial or cherished. Isn't it great when you really feel cherished by another? What an incredible gift. Being valued and considered to be important. In Philippians, we hear this. In humility, value others above yourselves. Now, not a, that, that involves all of us. It relates to us in our relationship with women in our lives. We're to value them as above ourselves. We're to value each one here this morning above ourselves. Women who are valued are gifted at creating connection. Creating connection means that, that they're the thread that sort of connects the family members. We know that's true, we've seen women so effective in our, in our families and, and they're the ones who sort of make, make things happen among the family. They're the connecting tissue for friends and for community. Author Michelle Nugent said was a teacher growing up uh, as a profession and growing up with her mother and and really enjoyed her teaching role. And eventually she became a mother as well. And so she was caring for her small children while teaching and caring for those children as well and oftentimes playing a mother-type role to many of her students. And she shares the journey that eventually leads her to caring for her parents in their elder years, or their older years, and the frailty that they have. The beginning eventually she started she started as a professional mother uh, and eventually ended up as a daughter caring for the parents. She called those things that we do with our children and with our family and for our parents. She calls those works of the heart. What a great label. I know many of you in this place today are, have cared and are caring for elderly parents and, and challenges of navigating this part of life with them. There are others of you who've been in that position and needing that kind of attention from someone else. There's those of you who remember all the things that you did with and for your children, some of the sacrifices you made that they'll never know about, some of the things you did, both good and bad, that were part of your effort to, to attend to their needs and help them along the way. Those of you who are women and didn't have children or have been able to be mothers in some sense to others, you know what it's like to have that influence and that connection. And you know what it's like for that child to have someone who cares and nurtures and protects their soul, comforts them, and encourages them. That's what those works of the heart are. That's what we're to share with others but women in particular are able to do that so that value that that importance on each other starts when we're very young we were in Nashville a number of months ago uh, our granddaughter Jane was a little over a year old and we we're visiting Jordan and Rachel and Jane and Rachel is a physical therapist at Vanderbilt burn unit and so she leaves for work very early every morning and the morning we were there, she was leaving for work, and Jordan would take Jane to daycare earlier, later. But she leans over to Jane, Rachel does, and says this, remember who you are, the family you come from, and make wise choices. She's whispering it in the ear of a one-year-old. And think about that every day to her girls, now two of them, every day whispering that to them. And growing up with that sense of being valued, that connection to someone so important. Women who are respected have great influence. Respect means to consider someone with high or special regard or deference. Women who are respected solve problems. The respect that comes from someone's, about someone's skills or about their position or role that they can play. One of our favorite uh, movies is Hidden Figures. It goes back to the early days of NASA and, and the efforts to, to land a man on the moon and all the things going on. And they had a group of African American female mathematicians. I say that five times fast. Female mathematicians. In fact, they were computing math equations. So they, on the door, it said, This is the room for the computers, the women computing, all of these things. And they changed some of the, the, the uh, trajectory of some of the events with NASA because of their skills, because they ultimately were respected and were able to make a difference. Women have knowledge and skills that are very beneficial in all walks of life. They have a perspective is that is a little bit unique. They come to uh, problems differently. Women, of course, have been inventors just like men. Women hold a lot of patents and a lot of inventions that they've created. One of the things that a woman created was the bulletproof vest. I didn't realize that. One woman created Scotchgard. Now, my guess is she was a mother of toddlers. Amen. Yes, absolutely. And one woman created the pedal trash can. How many of you have a pedal trash can around your house? Well, we've got one, but I've been, you know, people talk about hand-eye coordination, I've been working on my hand-foot coordination because my goal is to be able to push the lid and drop the thing in, but not hold it open. Just push it as it opens, push the trash in, and it's all done in one motion. I haven't achieved that yet. It keeps hitting the top and going off to the side, so you have to hold it open for just a minute. But women have done remarkable things. Women also are great at addressing organizational challenges. I think uh, if we men were honest, we would recognize that most women are better at organizational things than we are. Look at the, my garage and look at my desk and look at other things. Laney tolerates those things because I'm a guy and I try to be good about those things, but nevertheless, it's not always a natural thing. But for women, organizational challenges also among human resources and navigating that, a large majority of many human resource departments and companies is made up of women. Because women have a unique perspective. They understand the rules and the guidelines and the principles that are governing the employees, but they also have an understanding of the human dynamic, sometimes more than, women, uh, more than men do. So women are very effective. In that. They're effective in juggling family issues and priorities. Women who are respected solve problems every day. Women who are in power are very important in our world. That power, that capacity or ability to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. I want you to think about that definition for just a moment. And we'll, often we will throw around casually the phrase, "You know, we need more women in power positions and all that, but what, what are we really saying? We're saying that whoever is in that position has the ability to direct and influence behavior of others and the course of events. That's why power is so important and whose hands we place it in. And women who are in power have done remarkable things. Ruth Bader Ginsburg said this. They change outcomes. She said this. Women belong in all places where decisions are being made. It shouldn't be that women Are the exception. Well, let's go back to Deborah Jackson's story. She says the doctors were wrong about my condition and I delivered a healthy baby boy in 2003. However, when I became the senior solo pastor of my church the next year, I came to know the truth of the African dictum, it takes a village to raise a child. My husband and I were greatly aided by the women of the church, many who had never had children. They were the ones who babysat while I was in the pulpit or entertained while I conducted church meetings. They were the village surrounding us and helping to guide our child in the way that he should go. They made it possible for me to serve as a pastor and as a mom. Will you pray with me? God of grace and compassion, on this day that often holds both joy and sorrow, expectations and longings, words spoken and much left unsaid, we pray for the women in our lives. For the women who are mothers and grandmothers, may they know the grace of your presence and joy for the journey of motherhood. For the women whom we have never called mother, but who have mothered us, In a million ways, may they know how valued they are, that their faithfulness has impacted our trajectory forever. For the woman whose financial stability has just been through an earthquake, who is struggling to provide now, or whose future plans seem unsure, be to her Jehovah Jireh, her provider. May she have peace and uncertainty and strength to reach out for needed help. For the newest mama with her tired eyes, whose joy is sometimes clouded by doubt. Remind her that you are a good shepherd, leading her gently in peace, sustaining her. For the women who are worn out from asking questions while answers elude, for those whose tears fall unending and are weak with sorrow, may you be their strength and sustenance. Bring healing, restoration, and comfort to their souls. For the mother whose nest is now empty, whose porch lights are always on, who is trying to figure out what this next stage of life looks like, remind her that you have good plans and a future as she continues to seek you. For the mothers who feel lonely and isolated, whose reality differs dramatically from their ideal, would you gently remind them that you haven't left us alone. You are Emmanuel, God with us. For the woman whose heart is bursting with joy, may she celebrate wholeheartedly. May your praise be on her lips. Almighty God, we thank you for the gift of life. You are sovereign, you are good, and your faithfulness endures forever. We praise you for each woman in our lives, for her faith, her courage, her creativity, her laughter, and her leadership. May you bless each one with the joy, grace, and wisdom and peace that only come from you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.